Welcome, my name is Rich. I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, we're going to jump into uh, the last ser sermon in our series that we're in, but I just want to tell you a few things going on before we do. Um, Go Camp is always a big thing in our church every year, and Go Camp is uh, it's for middle school and high school students. It happens every Labor Day weekend, and Go Camp is happening again this year. And so if you are interested students, or maybe parents you know some students that might be interested, um, ctk.church forward slash go camp is the website that has all the information on there about what's going on. And uh, uh, the early bird deadline is actually approaching very fast. Um, it goes, it's June 30th, and then it goes up by $15. But um, you, if you're a teenager, you want to be a part of go camp. Um, any teenagers here have, have been to go camp? Raise your hand nice and high. Come on, loud and proud. Let's go. And is it worth going? Yes. So tell all your friends, let everybody know go camp. It's happening this fall. And um, then this Monday night, so tomorrow night, there's a women's prayer night at 6 o'clock. All ladies are invited to come be a part of that. And it's just going to be a special time of connecting around Jesus and seeking Him together. And so come and be a part of that tomorrow night at 6. And then one last thing, uh, there's a, we're starting a new Bible plan this, uh, today actually. So if, if, if uh, maybe you're, you're, you're new and you haven't heard about our Bible reading plans that we do, um, as a church, there's a Bible app, app called YouVersion. Um, it's just the YouVersion Bible app. And as a church, we're always going through some kind of plan together. And uh, the last 40 days, we've been doing a, 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 a plan. I actually forget the name of it. Uh, 40 days of prayer, 40 days of something. But it's basically all coming back to... Um, it, was, it was just 40 days of, of just this pretty well just repetitive, like... There's that verse in the Bible that talks about how we're called to rejoice always, pray continually, and always give thanks in all circumstances. And it was just all about developing that habit in your life. It was so, so good. And so, but over the next two months, over the summer, uh, we're actually going to be starting a new sermon series in two weeks called Flourish. And it's, it's, it's just really looking at how you can grow in your, your faith and how you can grow in your walk with Christ. And this, uh, all the, the Bible reading plans that we're going to be doing are kind of all along that theme. And so today is the, the start of a new two-week plan. It's simply called um, Enjoying and Knowing God. And we'd love to have you read along with us in that. It's just really good to always uh, to, to know there's others going through it with you. And it's really good to always hear what different people are hearing, how God is speaking to them through the different, different uh, verses in the Bible. Easiest way to get on that plan is to go to ctkdiscipleshiplife.com. Ctk and you'll... Uh, You'll see a little tab there that says join the group plan and, and uh, it'll, it'll walk you through how to get, get connected. Um, before we jump into this morning's message, um, I thought it would be good just to give a few thoughts on uh, what's happened this week. Um, I don't often get emotional reading the news, but this week was different. When I opened my news app on Friday and, and saw the words row be weighed overturned um it was different and roe v wade being overturned is easily the most significant legal decision of my lifetime hands down and uh we don't actually we don't talk a lot about abortion as a church and it's always been something that has actually bothered me that we don't talk about it more but it's just and, and i put that on on me but it's it's one of those issues that is can sometimes just seem tricky to navigate because it's become so entangled with politics and 
it's one of those issues where you don't know if you're if bringing this up is it gonna is it gonna offend somebody is it gonna is it gonna for somebody else maybe bring up some pain in their life and and take them back to a moment that was really difficult and so um, it's not we don't talk about it a whole lot but it is an important issue um, there are anywhere between 2,500 to 3,000 babies aborted every day in our nation which is hard to even wrap your mind around um, uh, by age 45, one in three American ladies will have had an abortion. It's a lot. And for Christians, um, the, the Bible is, is, for us, it's very clear. There's, there's not really any room for debate on the issue. It's, there's that verse in um, Jeremiah 1.5 where it says, Before I formed you in the womb, this is God speaking, before, before I formed you, he says, before I formed you in the womb, um, he says, I knew you. Before you were born, he says, I set you apart. And uh, it's a big deal. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not even really a religious issue. For us as Christians, it, it, it is, because that's just our faith is so entwined with, intertwined with everything we do. But at the end of the day, it's not even really a religious issue. And, and the last couple days, I've been just I've been reading a lot and following it a lot and, and seeing what's going on and what people are saying. And, and one of the things I've heard said over and over again um, is I, people are saying, I don't care about your Bible. I don't care about your Christianity. I don't care what you, what you believe or what you think, because I don't believe that. It's all about my body. It's about what I want to do. So, so forget what you think. But it's not a religious issue. And I would also say it's not a complex issue either, because one of the things that you'll, you'll hear people saying all the time is that this is it's such a complex issue. It's not. And at the end of the day, when it comes, when you boil all the stuff down and all the arguments and all the debate and all the, 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 the things that people say to make it complex, it actually boils down to one simple question. What is the unborn? That's the question. And uh, once you answer that question, every other question is answered. Is the unborn, is it, is a, is it just a, simply a clump of cells? Is it a fetus? Is it, a, what, what is it? Is it, is it a person? Is it a human? And if the unborn is not human, then you don't, there's no justification that's necessary. Three weeks, 15 weeks, 40 weeks, you want a different gender, whatever, there's, you don't need any justification. Just go ahead and get the abortion. It doesn't matter. But if that unborn person is, is, a, is a human, no justification for abortion is adequate. Nothing. And um, people who are on the other side of this will, um, will, will make the issue about everything but the issue. They'll make the issue about everything but okay, the, the issue of whether or not what's forming inside of a, a, a womb is a person or not. They'll make it about um, the, the, big, the big thing that you hear is, is it's about women's rights. And uh, you've probably seen on the news or on your social media all the, the, the different protests that are happening. They're just going to they're, they're keep ramping up. But the big thing you hear is it's my, my body, my choice. It's what I, I want to do. And you can't tell me what to do with my body. And, and you've heard all the different things. And, but you come back to the issue, if it's a person that's growing in your body, then at the end of the day, there's not just one person's rights involved here. There's 
two people's rights involved, right? Or then there's, the, the, there's just a, a whole bunch of different issues that are, are out there. And if you're here, maybe you're, you're here this morning, and, or maybe you're watching online, you're, 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 you're on the side that abortion should be legal. Um, first of all, let me just say we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Um, and then secondly, I just would ask that you, what, whatever you hear from out there, media, talking heads, whatever on TV, that, that make this about every issue but the issue, the issue whether or not that what's growing in a woman's womb is a person, a human, keep that front and center. What is, what is, the, what is the unborn? What is the unborn? And, and ask yourself that. And, and even like as you, as you start to get into that, you start to see how all, all the arguments against anything other than that being an unborn uh, person, as you start to get into that, you see that all the arguments actually fade away pretty quick. Because people say, well, it's, it's, an, it's just the clump of cells until you get to a certain point. Well, w where is that magical certain point? Is it 15 weeks? Is it 15 weeks one day? 15 weeks two day? 20 weeks one day? All those start to fade away. And... and uh, uh, but, but keep that issue the, the, the issue. But then as the church, um, I just want to encourage us. This, we, we are at a, I mean, I'm just going to say it. This, this has been a huge victory um, this last week. And, uh, and we're, we're at a point where, I mean, th this has been a battle for the last 50, 60 years of, of just trying to, to see this, this change in our, in our land. But this is what I would just ask us to do as a church, is just to continue to show love and grace. Um, we're all surrounded by people that have completely different views on this than us. And it's, it, the way to approach that is not with gloating. It's not with pride. It's not with um, just a, an, an anger or just being aghast. It's, it's to approach people with love and grace, just like, just, just like Jesus showed us. Um, and then I also would encourage you as a church to humbly arm yourself with just knowledge about how to talk about this issue. Because there's no question, this is right now, this is the issue in our nation. And you're going to be hearing uh, conversations about it in your workplace, with friends, um, with family. And, and, and just, I would say, just, just know how to respond. The Bible talks about how, just being able to, to, um, answer when, when unbe unbe your unbelieving friends and family, when they've got a question about something, just be able to answer it. And, and really, I've given you this morning, here's the simple way, way to go. Answer it by talking about what that is that's forming inside of a woman's womb. That's, that's, that's the place you, you go to every single time. It's not these issues over here. It's what is, what is that? Is it a person? Arm, but arm yourself with, with, um, Humble, uh, humble knowledge and then stand firm on what's true. I think that's so important. And um, the world right now is making people uh, that are, that are pro-life out to be crazy lunatics. And I don't know how much you've seen this last couple days, but, but just know, know, know where you stand, know where you believe. And, and then I would say just um, um, ask, also ask Jesus how to respond um, personally uh, I think one of the problems that the, the church often gets into is that we can be all about, okay, we, 
we, we, we want to see this thing overturned, and we believe that that's a person, that's a human forming inside of a mother's womb, but then we stop there, and I believe we, we have an obligation to, go, to, to ask God, Lord, how do you want me to respond to all the babies that are going to be born now in difficult circumstances? How do we respond? God, what do you want me to do? God, do you want me to actually start looking at adoption? God, do you want me to start looking at, at, at being a foster parent? God, how can, how can I respond um, now that things have turned? And then, and then I would just ask all of us to be praying. Be praying. Um, unless you've had your head in the sand the last 50 years, you know that this is, this is a divisive, polarizing issue. And in a nation that is already especially more so than ever the last couple years, so polarized and so divided, um, we have an opportunity as a church to just pray into that, to pray into that, to pray that we, that God, that, that, that to invite the Holy Spirit to work through us to bring healing, to bring peace, to be peacemakers, to be people that are full of grace and truth at the same time. And so be praying, be praying that that light shines, be praying that God makes himself known, be praying that we have wisdom in just knowing how to humbly stand for, for, for truth and to do that in a way that, that makes Jesus' name big and glorious and attractive and beautiful to, to the world around us. And um, if you're here this morning, and maybe you're going, wow, Rich, I did not expect us to go this direction this morning, but I've got a lot of questions. I would be more than happy to sit down with anybody Maybe you've got, you, you, you see it in a completely different way than, than I do. I would be more than happy to sit down with you, and, and I'm not interested in having a debate or an argument, but I am interested in sitting down and just maybe helping, helping um, well, understanding where you're coming from and, and having you understand where I come from and just in, in talking this through. But, but um, I am uh, email away or a phone call away. I love getting together for coffee or whether it's iced coffee or ice wraps, whatever. Um, I would be more than happy to sit down and chat with anybody. And, um, or maybe you've got questions and you're going, I, 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 I want to do more. I, I want to, I, I, maybe you're going, in our state it's still totally legal. And I want to do more and I don't, I don't know what to do. I'd be more than happy to sit down with you too and, and just talk through um, what's next. But um, let's be people of prayer and let's be people that, that, that keep a humble posture. In, in the middle of everything that's going on right now. Sound good? All right. Um, we're going to shift gears. And uh, like I said, we're in the last sermon of a series we're doing called Transform. And, uh, you know, throughout my life, uh, last week we talked, we started off by talking a little bit about, just through the question out there, like, what do you want to see changed in your life? And uh, throughout my life, there's been all kinds of things that I've wanted to see changed over the years. And uh, the first time that this ever happened, at least as I can recall, I was thinking this week, hey, when, when was the first time I can remember that I ever wanted to see some kind of change happen in my life? And the first time was actually when I was either six or seven. Um, my dad, I grew up in Canada, for those of you who don't, don't know, and so every young Canadian kid does, is signed up at some point to play ice hockey. And so my dad signed me up to play ice hockey with, um, it was called the, uh, the Adams hockey league, and uh, I remember, though, not too far into playing hockey that I couldn't handle the puck quite as good as everybody else. I was a little slower than everybody else, 
And so I wanted to change that. And so I, uh, of course, you, you go to practice and you learn how to, you, you do figure eights on your ice skates and you do these stopping drills and, and I couldn't shoot the puck very hard and so I got a piece of plywood and set it up for, with my dad's help beside our trailer that I li we lived in and I just practiced my slap shot and wrist shot and all these kinds of things. But I wanted to change that. And, and then over the years as I became a teenager, I noticed something else in my life that I wanted to change. Um, I was around other guys my age that were just really good with the girls and they could just like they could talk and they were smooth and they were confident I was awkward and so nervous and I just could not get the words to come out right and I wanted to change that in me and like the nerdy kid I was I actually bought books on how to have conversations with girls I wanted to change and whatever it took all throughout my life though there have been many many times where I wanted to change something about who I was um, when I switched from hockey to basketball, I wanted to change how high I could jump. My vertical was like two inches, and everybody saw me, this tall kid, and thought, oh man, he's going to be doing 360 dunks. Then they'd see me jump, and they'd be all so disappointed in what they saw. So I wanted to change that. So I worked on that. When I started playing guitar in middle school, I wanted to change from knowing basically nothing. I had this guy that I listened to that, that Eddie's probably heard about. His name's Joe Satriani. He's like this wicked guitar player. I wanted to be able to play guitar as fast as Joe Satriani. Then I graduated, wanted to change my understanding of life and theology, so I went off to Bible college so I could change that. I got married. I realized how selfish and prideful I was. I wanted to change that. When I entered the workforce, I realized that I have a habit of procrastination, and so I wanted to, to change that. All of my life, it seems, it's been one thing after another thing that I want changed. And, and even today, if, if I look at all the things I want to change, I could, up, I could just rattle off a list all morning long of the things that I want to change. And I have a little bit of the list right here. I want to be more present, more focused, less selfish, more bold in conversations, a better leader, a better follower, more humility, more money sitting in the bank account, better focused about the future. I want to have more wisdom as a dad. I want to do a better job of leading my family. I want to be more involved, less preoccupied with social media, more focused on my kids. And then, as if that's not enough change, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes my faith brings with it another long list of changes I need to make. Um, I need to become more committed to attending my church. I need to become less isolated and more involved in community. I need to be less about myself and more about serving others. I need to pray more, fast more, read my Bible more, witness more, think more good thoughts, speak less, give more, steward better, love more, be more kind, more patient, more gentle, more self-controlled. I need to have more faith, less fear, more humility, less pride, more smiles, less frowns, more peace, less anxiety. And at times... It can get to the place where you can become so overwhelmed with all the changes that you want to see happen in your life that it is just exhausting. Exhausting. Change, no thanks. Um, give me a hot summer's day, a floaty in the middle of the lake, and a cold drink in my hand, and forget all that change stuff. <laughs> you know, no wonder so many people have just wandered away from their faith. Because when you look at all of the change, it, it just seems too hard, too tiring. And if we're honest, we just feel too guilty because we're not really changing, it seems like. And if being a follower of Jesus, you gotta catch this, if being a follower of Jesus amounts to an exhausting amount of work, if you see the Christian faith 
as being the most grueling of self-improvement programs, you have misunderstood and are likely completely missing the life that Jesus is inviting you into. You're missing it. And in Scripture, the Apostle Paul, who who knew the religion of self-improvement better than most, he knew that we would be prone to misunderstand our faith in this way. And so he prayed a prayer over the church, and it's a prayer for you and for me today, and I want to read the whole thing today. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. He says this. He says, I get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit, deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory to down, down to all generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. This is Paul. He's writing, he's writing this letter while he's in, in, in jail. He says, while I'm locked up here, prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alerting, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, and I love this phrase, robust in love. And doesn't this just sound so different than the exhausting life of religious self-improvement? Doesn't it? So much better. The life of of self-improvement is just that, self-improvement. It's you doing all the work It's you as the source of transformation. It's you seeing God as like nothing more than God's like this this cosmic coach on the sidelines that's just barking orders. He's telling you to run run harder, run faster. It's his brute strength overpowering you with guilt and shame when you mess up. And it's exhausting. And I speak from experience. It is exhausting. No, Jesus calls us into a much different life than this. It's a life where we're being transformed and where we're becoming, we're growing to become healthy in God, robust in love, loving Jesus with everything that we have and loving others really well. But the life of Christ is is not produced in us 
It is not produced in us through endless striving. It is produced in us through endless abiding. Two totally different things. It's not produced in us through endless striving, through working really hard to change and just be transformed. And It's produced through endless abiding. It's that picture that Jesus gave us in John 15 where he's the vine. And what are we? We're the branches that we're, we're grafted in. And as we abide with him, as we stay connected to him, um, as we remain in him, transformation happens in us as we, we remain rooted in his love, as we love him with everything that we are, as we daily open up our lives and share our lives with him. That's abiding. And the Bible is very clear on what happens when we do that. We are changed. We are transformed, just like we read about in Ephesians 3 and 4. And today what I want to do in our, our, our little bit of time that we have left is I want to look at what is required to abide in Him. And from the text that we read this morning, there's, there's just four things that I want to pull out of this text that are required of us. So, so being changed, being transformed, becoming more and more like Jesus, we talked about this the last two weeks, it's not accidental. It's not something that just magically happens as we just wake up in the morning. We're like, hey, God, I'm here. Come and change me however you want to do. I'm just going to lay here until you change me. No, it's not, it doesn't work quite like that. We have a part to play in this. And, and, and there's some key pieces in, in our part to play that we read about in Ephesians 3 and 4. And first thing is this. You must open the, the door and let him in. You must open the door to your life day in, day out, month after month, year after year, you have to let him in. And to keep your, your, your life closed, to have no meaningful connection to Jesus other than listening to a couple worship songs and some guy preach on a Sunday every now and then, to have no meaningful connection with Jesus outside of that is not opening up the door to your life and letting him in. It's not. And this summer, like I said, we're actually going to go in-depth as to how we open up our lives and let Him in. But for now, understand it's about making—it's it's, it's not complicated. It's about making space in your life to connect with Jesus. That's it. You make space in your crazy, busy, go, 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 go lives. You make space to connect with Jesus. It's finding time to open up your life to His Word. You get in the habit of— of reading scripture and just listening to him speak. It's about driving down the road on a gorgeous summer day. And as you look out at Baker and the twins, you just, you take a couple moments to say, God, you're amazing. Thank you for making all that. It's about sipping on a cup of coffee in the morning. And in that moment, you, you, you crack open your life. You make some space for some gratitude. Jesus, thank you for this cup of coffee that's so good and so amazing. It's about when you run into obstacles and difficulties in life, rather than just try to plow through those and figure those out on your own, you invite Him in to speak and to work and to move. It's about making space to walk with Him, to talk with Him. It's about um, opening up your schedule to spend time with Jesus. That's what this means to, 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 to open the door and let Him in and abide in Him. That's, that's how you do it. This is how you do it. And this, this is so important because without it, when it comes to change, you are simply trying to become like Jesus on your own. And, and this is, like I've said, it's, it's exhausting. 
when you are just trying to become like Jesus on your own. You know, one of the worst things that you can do as, as a, a, a Christian, a person of faith, whatever you want to call it, is to, is to show up on a Sunday or to, 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 to read something here or there, listen, and then you just go out and you try to do it completely disconnected from Jesus. It's one of the worst things that you can do. And, and I know that because I've spent most of my life as a Christian living just that way. Thinking that I had to do, I had to change. I, I could somehow do it on my own, disconnected from God. And it leads to, it leads to either pride because you, you, you maybe you're doing pretty good, or it leads to despair because you're just doing so awful at it. No, the, the better way is, is to let His all-powerful, glorious, good, gentle Spirit in to mold us and to shape us as we open up our lives to Him. That's how you do it. So number one, if you're going to abide in Him, you must open the door and let Him in. Number two is you must live in faith and not in fear. And, and I just love that Paul, this, this passage of Scripture that we just read, that, you know, you think that Paul is writing that on a gloriously beautiful day. He's probably, he's probably sitting on the back patio. He's got a bowl of grapes there. He's got his, his feet kicked up as he's talking about living a full life. He's, he's probably just like perfect health. He's got everything going on just right. No. He writes it from some dark, cold prison cell in, in some eastern country. He, he is he's literally in chains for preaching the gospel. He doesn't know what's next. He doesn't know if he's going to get out the next day. He doesn't know if the next day maybe he's going to have, he's going to be pulled out. He's going to be beat with rods and whips. He doesn't know that it, maybe in a week they're just going to decide, decide they, they're going to kill him. He knows none of that. And no idea what the future might hold, but you would never guess that from the words he writes. He doesn't write as one who has fear and anxiety. He writes as one who is living life full of faith. He encourages the church to live the same, saying things like, take in the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love, rise to the heights of it, live full lives, live knowing that God can do anything. Get out there and don't walk. Run on the road God's called you to travel. Don't sit on your hands as one stifled by apathy or fear. He is just, he's full of faith. A man who doesn't let fear stifle him. A man who is, who's believing for good things to come. And, and you might be going, okay, well, why is faith, how is that tied into abiding in Jesus? How is that tied into the change process that happens inside of me? Well, it's so important when it comes to transformation because in life, God will work through all types of different situations, things, people to bring transformation and to bring change into your life. He'll work through everyday challenges like the daily pressures of, of life, He'll work through difficult people that you work with, um, difficult people who maybe live under the same roof as you. He will, he'll, he'll work through the, the much bigger trials and suffering that we all go through in life. Job loss, broken relationships, the pain of losing a loved one. Other times, he, he'll work through his discipline. We'll get off track We'll wander. We'll go down some kind of wrong path in life. We'll decide to do things our way. And, and He'll discipline us to get us back on the right track. And when that happens, if you forget who's shaping you and molding you and transforming you, if you forget how good God is, if you, if you don't remember that your shepherd is the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, you will move from a place of faith into a place of 
of fear. And when you become afraid, you will no longer abide in Jesus. You will no longer submit to the Spirit. Instead, you will doubt and you will question and you'll be like that branch that's no longer connected to the vine but is disconnected from the vine. But when you live in faith, You'll have trials that will come your way. You'll have suffering that will come your way. You'll have challenging situations with people. You'll have the pressures of life. You'll have all these things uh, pressing on you. And when you live by faith, you, you'll, you'll be like what James 1 says here. You'll, you'll go from, from um, where you're at to, to living the reality of these words where James writes, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You got to be in a place of faith to have that be your reality. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Instead, and again, this requires faith. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And when God brings discipline into your life to grow you and shape you, when He applies a, a little bit of pressure to your life, Rather than resist, you will welcome it because you know that like Scripture says, the Lord disciplines the one He loves. God's dis God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But here's, the, here's the, where the transformation linked together with faith comes in. It says, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You have to stay in a place of faith. And yes, I know that life can be so hard and it can just beat us down, whether it's the daily pressures or the big pressures. But, but the challenge for us is to stay in faith and, and through that to stay connected to Jesus, abiding in the vine. Next, if you want to abide in Jesus, you must stay humble and keep a soft heart. One of the, the, the most, uh, the more well-known churches in the Bible is this church in the city of Galatia. And it was one of several churches that Paul started and later he wrote letters to and God was doing some great things in this church, but somewhere along the way, they had become prideful followers of Jesus. And so in that, Paul writes this stern rebuke. We read a little bit of it last week. And uh, the, the pride that they had, it, it wasn't the typical kind of, kind of pride. When you think of pride, you probably think of someone that's just really cocky and arrogant and just thinks a lot about themselves. Um, that, that's not who this, this church was. And you would actually look in on this church, and you would probably actually go, wow, that church is to be admired. They deserve a big, massive E for effort. Like, this church is just knocking it out of the ballpark. But this was actually the problem. They, they had found freedom in Christ, but they were becoming slaves again, not to, like, overt sin, but to thinking that it was their effort, their hard work, their good living that was going to change them into Christ's image. And so Paul writes them saying, we read this last week, he says, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, they had this tremendous pride in that rather than, be totally rather than be totally dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit to change them, they thought that they could do the change all on their own. And what they needed was humility, a heart posture that said, we, we, can't, we could not save ourselves to begin with. And we certainly cannot change ourselves. We certainly cannot make the transformation happen inside of us that, that Christ calls us to. We can't do that on our own. They needed humility. And humility is, 
It's the ground from which the good fruit grows in your life. You know, things like Galatians 5, where it talks about love, joy, and peace, and kindness. Humility is the, the, it's, it's the soil from which that kind of fruit grows. The character of Jesus grows out of the soil of humility. And you know what grows out of pride? You might have good behavior. You might be really smart and know all the right stuff. Know what the Bible says. But at the end of the day, the fruit will always be this, the same. You will be enslaved to good works, enslaved to more pride, enslaved to despair because you just cannot measure up to what Christ is calling us to, 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 to be. And you got to understand something. God is not after regular church attendance. God is not after tithing. He's not after um, fasting, your scripture reading, your singing. He is after a change of heart, a change of character. That's what he's after. And, and, and for, he's after you going from someone that's all about yourself to someone who's loving others. And, and, and religious practices are not the end. It's not the end goal. It's not the end goal to get you in this building. It's not the end goal to get you to fast for 40 days. Those are a means to an end. The end goal, according to Christ, is that we would love Him with everything that we have and that we would love others as we love ourselves. That is what He's after in our lives. And in order to get there, we have to stay in a posture of humility, knowing that that is absolutely impossible. We can't do it on our own. And lastly, if you want to abide in Jesus, you must stay the course. Paul says, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Staying in this posture of having your heart and your life open to Him. Do we all wander from times time to time? Do we all become like those people that are just kind of sitting on our hands and, and, and just not, not connecting and engaging in this work that God's doing in our lives? Yes. But staying the course is recognizing that, and we re when we realize it, we come back to Jesus. We confess and repent, and we come back to Him, and, and we, we stay in that place of faith, believing that He who began a good work will be faithful to see it through to completion. One of the, the best pictures in Scripture, and we're going to wrap up with this. One of the best pictures in Scripture of this transforming work that Christ does in us is the picture of the, the, the potter in the clay. And it's this idea that God is the potter. And if you don't know what a potter is, it's just think back to your, your high school, and I'm not sure what class it is where you, you get the clay. What class would that be? Economics? Ceramics. <laughs> Um, I grew up in Canada. I was in a little tiny school. We didn't have ceramics in my school. So <laughs> you all know very well. That's awesome. But you just think back to your ceramics class. And I don't know if they had, had the little lump of clay on a wheel or whatever. But uh, God says, I'm the potter. You're the clay. You're that lump of clay on that wheel. And, and he's making us into something. He's shaping us and he's changing us. And, and, and he wants to do this work in each one of our lives. And, and this morning, we're going to close with a short video. And as we do, I, I want you just to let this be a moment. Let this be a moment where you just let God, the Holy Spirit come in and speak to you.
It's a very simple video. It's just a video of a potter with a lump of clay. And, and, I, and, and God wants to speak to you as we, as we watch this. For some of you, he's going to be inviting you back to himself. He's inviting you back to, into a life of just being connected to him, abiding in, in him. You're like that clay that's kind of run off on your own. And God is saying, I'm inviting you back into this life of plumping your, yourself, plopping yourself down on that, that, that little wheel thingy and letting me work in your life. He's inviting us back in. For somebody else, he's, he, he, he's, he's going to be saying, you know what? You're like a hard lump of clay. You're kind of there, but you're just, there's hardness and there's pride and there's resistance and there's apathy. And I'm just inviting you to, to, to soften your heart and to humbly submit to me. But however God speaks to you, let's, let's say yes to him today. Let him transform us as we grow healthy in God, robust in love for him, and robust in love for one another. of self, God, so much of those old patterns and destructive behavior, God, that's just seems so, so, so many times just to be a part of who we are. But Jesus, today, God, we choose to believe and we choose to trust, God, what your word says, that, Lord, we are like that clay in your hands, and Jesus, you are making us into something amazing 
God, something beautiful. God, something that is, is re- reflecting your glory, your wonder, your beauty, your patience, your kindness, your purpose. Lord, you are shaping us in your hands. God, even right now in this moment, God, you are shaping us in your hands. And Lord, we today just want to, God, invite you to do that work in us. God, I pray that if there's anybody here today that, that Lord, has been resisting. God, maybe there's a very specific area, Lord, where this morning, God, you're just, you're, 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 you're shining the light on an area where they have been resisting. You've been wanting to change, and you've been wanting to work, but, but there's been resistance. God, I pray that today, Lord, whatever it is that's keeping them from submitting, God, I pray that today they'd be, be able to just go from a place of fear to faith and be able to say, God, I'm done resisting. Lord, come and shape and mold however you want to do that. Lord, I pray for the person here today that has been, God, just exhausted from working so hard to try to, to bring change. And Lord, as we talk about living and life and hope and joy, that's the last thing they would associate with their faith. It's just be, has become for them being enslaved all over again to just the religion of self-improvement and good works. And Father, today, as, as you invite them and call them into life and life to the full, to a, a life of, rather than endless striving, into a life of endless abiding in you, I pray, God, that we'd be quick to say yes. And Lord, help us. Help us to make our lives, Jesus, about abiding in you. I pray, God, that we'd be people that, that, in, that open up the door of our lives to you, not just for an hour window on a Sunday morning, but God, help us to be people that open up our lives to you, God, all throughout the day. God, teach us to practice your presence and just practice, God, acknowledging you, being thankful, being worshipful. God, bring you alongside as the helper that you are. God, help us to be those kind of people that, that just open up our lives fully to you, Jesus, in every moment of every every day. Help us in that, I pray. And Lord, I pray that today, Jesus, as we go out from here, I pray, Lord, that we would be, God, people that are just like that clay that lives on that will, submitted to our Heavenly Father who's, who's doing something good and something glorious in each one of us. Lord, we love you so, so much. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Hey, why don't you stand with us as we wrap up our time together this morning. The ushers are going to pass the bucket down your row, give you an opportunity to give back to God this morning. Ties and offering. And this afternoon, do not be holed up in a dark room with your screen. Okay? Get out there and enjoy that sunshine and just the blessing of a hot, sunny Pacific Northwest day. God bless.